With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Thank you for listening to the Late Breaking F1 podcast. Make sure to look out for new episodes every Thursday and Grand Prix Sundays. Hello and a very warm welcome. This is the Late Breaking Formula One podcast and we are reviewing the United States Grand Prix, a Grand Prix in which Lewis Hamilton finally wrapped up his sixth world championship. But it was Valtteri Bottas who claimed victory on the day. Samuel Sage and Harry Eder with me, Ben Hocking. How are you guys doing? How did you feel the race was? It was a very enigmatic entrance there, Benjamin. I enjoyed it. Um, I thought the race was good, not great, but I am uh, happy to see a history be made. The uh, the seven six five four three two one is kind of complete now. Maybe Lewis can just stop to allow it to be uh, all nice and continuous in terms of how many titles we've had won by certain drivers. Yeah, good, not great for the race, but as Sam said, we have. A sixth, a second six-time world champion. Big news. Incredible scenes. History has been made. Yeah, and we'll be talking more about Hamilton's season and his achievement as a whole later on. But we're going to look specifically at the race first of all. Uh, it feels like it went a very similar direction to Mexico, but it kind of had the finale that Mexico didn't have. That's kind of how I saw the race. I agree with you. I thought it was good, not great. Um, the one-stop and the two-stop, both viable options. Ultimately, the two-stop of Valtteri Bottas defeating the one-stop of Lewis Hamilton. Um, Harry, you said off-air that this was one of Valtteri Bottas's best performances of the season. Do you think it is the best he's done all year? Um, like I said, it's definitely up there. I don't know, Suzuka was pretty convincing as well. So he has he's had a good few weeks as has Valtteri. It's come at the wrong title or it's come too late because the championship's already already won. But um yeah, it's that it's that no nonsense porridge um attitude that we have seen glimpses of this year, not all the time. Um and he's shown it again today to overtake Hamilton on track for the win, which I thought was a I don't know, it'll be not much comfort to him, but it's a it's a big statement going forward that he can he can do it. He can beat Hamilton on track, and he's done it a few times this year now. Now he just needs to build on it and and uh, be more consistent with it going into 2020. But um, yeah, really good performance from 
from Elbeardo. Yes, the Texan porridge was strong. Um, Sam, what did you, how impressed were you by Valtteri Bottas? Of course, you do often criticise Bottas. What did you think of his performance, a, a performance where he had to overtake Lewis Hamilton in order to gain the victory? Yeah, I, I'm a lover of Bottas off the track. I think he's a jolly, lovely chap. But on the track, often critical when you have the best car at your disposal. And uh, anyone can win a Mercedes, as I'm sure many people will say. Um I am going to completely differ to what Harry has said. I don't think it was that impressive. If anything, I was thinking he was the favourite to win it the whole time. And if he didn't win it, he'd have really have let himself down. Qualifying on part, and his Saturday performance was astoundingly good. Full credit where credit is due. Bottas on pole, ahead of the Ferrari and the Red Bull of Vettel and Verstappen by less than one-tenth of a second. That is an incredible performance, especially when his teammate, the largest pole sitter of all time, sits back in fifth place. That is, and he's not largest physically. (laughs) 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 He's not like 27 stone and 18 foot tall. Um, And he sits on poles. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, everyone. Sorry. It took less than five minutes. Um, No, so that is a fantastic performance for Valtteri Bottas on Saturday. Sorry, I've got the giggles. Um, But... He, he should have darted off from Max Verstappen at the start there. Hamilton was right on the back of Max. Hamilton starting in fifth place, remember. Incredible overtake of Vettel around the outside, who, yes, was struggling at the time, but did the job well. Got past the clerk convincingly as well, nice and easy off the start. He was right on the back of Verstappen, and the gap to Verstappen and Bottas never really grew to more than two or three seconds. I expect more from Bottas in a car that was clearly faster this track weekend, especially with the tyres with the same life. We saw later on in the race when Bottas was on the same tyres as Verstappen after they both pit. Bottas had much more speed at the start of the stinks. I expected a larger gap from Bottas to appear. He could have made this a lot more comfortable for himself if he just put his foot down, go away comfortably and then managed his tyres. I really think he almost could have come out consistently ahead and maybe wouldn't have even needed to overtake a struggling Hamilton on dying tyres at the end of a race. It wasn't really a fair fight at that point. It was almost a guarantee the moment DRS was available. So he did what he needed to do. He should have won the race and he did. It was a good performance for Bottas, but I still think he needs to do way more if he's going to challenge for the title come next season. I, th- I thought Bottas was pretty good this weekend. Um, his, his Saturday qualifying performance w- was very good. Of, of course, all three teams were very close, so it was marginal gains, and he was able to make that work. And he is at the at this point five four in terms of pole positions against Lewis Hamilton this year. Um, and even though the championship won't go Bottas's way, that is something at least for him to hold on to. And he has got the most pole positions of all time as Lewis Hamilton. So taking that victory or potentially that victory, see how the last two races go, um, is something for Bottas. I thought he did pretty well in the race as well. But like I said to introduce this, the one stop and the two stop were very, very close around Austin. There was not a lot to choose between them. You know, Lando Norris and the two stopper managed to beat Carlos Sainz at the one stopper, but both of them lost to the one stopper of Daniel Ricciardo. And we saw plenty of op- plenty of times on the last two or two or three laps where two stopping cars were catching one stopping cars and passing them. You know, Perez and Kvyat both involved in a in a last lap collision because of um, because of the two stops and the one stops converging. So I thought it was fair game. Um, and Bottas did a great job in catching Lewis Hamilton. He could have easily been dissuaded from that first attempt that he had where he was nearly there and Hamilton kind of shut the door on the outside after the big long straight. Um, he managed to eat back into that gap yet again um, and made a more clinical move. And, and it was um, I thought it was really impressive from Valtteri Bottas. Was it his best performance of the season? 
maybe not quite, but it's definitely up there. And I, I think it's, as you say, he just needs to deliver this on a more consistent basis and not go a bit anonymous for a few races at a time. Hamilton has got so many of these championships because of consistency and, and Bottas just needs to match him. But he has proven to himself out there today that not only can he take pole position, not only can he get the race win, but he can overtake Lewis Hamilton in doing so, which um, is an achievement. <laughs> but of course, where it went very well for Mercedes, one two finish, Charles Leclerc, Sebastian Vettel, the Ferrari guys, their pace just seemed to disappear. Of course, Sebastian Vettel retired very early on, but even so, he was lingering in seventh place at the time, and Charles Leclerc was a very distant fourth. Um, Sam, were you surprised that Ferrari showed a, no apparent pace out there? Surprised and made a fool of as my uh, predictions coming into this weekend were that Ferrari were to get pole position and then Ferrari were to win this race a 1-2. Um, I didn't get anything right this weekend. The closest I got was Norris in the top five and he was still two places off of that. So no point. Mille point for Sam. Uh, I was really disappointed, especially as Ferrari came into this with... I think seven pole positions in a row. Every single pole since the summer break ended, I believe, has gone to Ferrari, which is an incredible statistic, an incredible turnaround after they were struggling for so long against the Silver Arrows. And yeah, they, they come into America. Clear favourites could do well again. And nowhere. I just don't think they have the ability to activate the tyres as well as the teams around them. Uh, the tyres didn't seem to, to warm up properly. They couldn't activate the rubber well. Vettel then obviously had that absolute disaster where he somehow pulled off a three-wheeled wheelie in a Formula 1 car, which was fantastic to watch. It's something you don't get to see often, but of course disastrous for his race, as much as we love a bit of Sebi Vettel on this channel. Gutting to see him out. Um, I think it would have spiced things up a little bit more if both Ferraris were able to be competitive, and I'm surprised they weren't. Um, Harry, what, what did you think of Ferrari's performance out there? Of course, they didn't get pole position, but they were fairly close to doing so, and their pace just seemed to evaporate. Yeah, I mean, I think they'll probably be scratching their heads as much as everybody else is. Um, on bold predictions, by the way, I was again wrong. So, Haas, sorry, you didn't score any points this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> That's my fault. <laughs> um yeah, for, I think the the writing was almost on the wall from lap one when, you know, Leclerc got a bad start. Vettel didn't seem to get any heat in his tyres whatsoever. And it, so much so that he seemed to think there was something wrong with the car because it was just wouldn't grip. Um, yeah, it didn't work on the mediums. I think Leclerc had slightly better pace when he got onto the hards. Um, but by then he was miles behind anyway. He was in a different race. At one point, I thought he was so slow. I, I almost thought Ricardo might have him for fourth because... Before the first pit stops, Ricardo kind of pegged him about eight seconds. Um, yeah, they'll be they'll be scratching their heads. People will say it's because this this like rule change or rule clarification about the fuel flow, which some teams have suggested Ferrari have been cheating. I think that's rubbish. And it wasn't engine power related today, was it? It was just they couldn't didn't have any pace, no grip. Um, yeah, they'll be they'll have soul searching to do before Brazil. All the, all the scuderia. I think um, this is the first time in a long time that the tyres have been really, really interesting in a Grand Prix. Um, Albon manages to make a three-stopper work. We haven't seen that for a long time. Ferrari can't turn them on. Hamilton nearly wings on a one-stop, while Bottas attacks on a two-stop. This is what I want to see every race from the tyre compound. I want to see these strategies being able to be used different, interesting, attacking, defending, using your strategy as well as your car's pace. If the cars can all come closer together on the grid, a la 2021, bring it on, we'll discuss it later. 
then I think we've got a real concoction for some exciting racing to come. I think we had it for we had this for Mexico, but because they couldn't follow each other, it was all teed up to be like it was today. But then it didn't happen because they kept kept all get overheating. So um, yeah. But I agree with Sam. It was great to see some like three different strategies in one race. Absolute scenes. I think a lot of it came down to the increase in tire. Uh, sorry, the increase in temperature on Sunday compared to Friday. And I don't think the teams quite cottoned on to how they would work. Um, and actually, the durability of the three tires, the gap was a lot less than what I was expecting. I think Lance Stroll had the softs, medium, and hard tires on at one point <laughs> in the race. Like he he had the he had all of them going, and he went longest on the soft tires. But he went longer on the soft tires than he did the mediums and the hards. So I, I don't think the gaps were actually that much between them. And the hard tire, maybe they were expecting it to go very similar to Mexico, where you know Max Verstappen did 66 laps or however many it was. Um, and actually, they struggled to do 25. We saw Nico Hülkenberg. He, he did 28 laps, which wasn't even half race distance on hard tires. And he could barely keep it on the circuit at the end of his stint. So I really don't think the difference between the soft, mediums and hearts was as much as the teams were anticipating. In terms of Ferrari, I'm, I'm a bit, it's a bit of a hungry situation. It's the, it's the first time since Hungary where they have been so far off the pace and not competitive in the slightest. Um, I mean, again, the temperature might well have played a part in that. It might also be because of the, the bumps. Um, it seemed very skittish over the bumps. It didn't seem to respond very well to the surface of the, of the track. And we saw, obviously, Sebastian Vettel had the suspension issue. But Leclerc also had a couple of times in the race where sparks were flying um, and it didn't look all that stable. So maybe there's something in that as well. But a better race for Red Bull. Max Verstappen, of course, on the podium, nearly got Lewis Hamilton for P2. And Alex Albon had a good race in his own right. Of course, two very different races. Harry, what did you think of Red Bull? Yeah, Verstappen, I thought, might have been... I mean, he was in the mix. He just didn't quite have the, the pace. He didn't seem very happy all race with his car, did he? He seemed to... There was always something wrong with it and nothing quite was right. And he was catching Hamilton in the end, but on the onboard, even on that last lap, and it was hampered by the yellow flag from, from box office in the in the boonies. Um but it just looks like there was no grip in that car at all. So um, I think Max got the most out of it that he could. Maybe could have got P2. He wasn't didn't have the race-winning pace. For Albon, I was really impressed, actually. And I think he got driver of the day in the end. I'm not sure. Yeah. Uh, you've nodded in unison. Beautiful. <laughs> um, yeah. For, I know he got caught up at the start, but that was just kind of first corner shenanigans. And he was the unlucky victim in that. Um but he kept his head and he, he raced back through to get probably what the best result he could from where he was at the end of lap one, which was uh, last. Um, yeah, so I think Red Bull can be too disappointed. They might have hoped they could challenge with Verstappen for the win. Um, but yeah, not a pretty good race all in all. So what did you think of Verstappen and Albon? Um, just going quickly to get to the uh, the term box office in the boonies <laughs> is painting a fantastic Rambo-esque image, but with K-Mag's face. Um, if anyone wants to send that in so we can use that, uh, you can email us or tweet us, please. That'd be fantastic to see. Because um, I'd love to see what that looks like. K-Mag in the jungle, but with harsh gear on. Um, 
Red Bull looked solid. Max was always in the mix. He was always a permanent threat, never able to fully utilise that. And the track was almost its own entity today. It was causing cars damage left, right and centre. We saw front wings flying off here and there, carbon fibre shattering across other people's cars. Uh, Max had a cracked front wing at one point. He was never in a 100% OK car. And I think he did a really good job because of it. He was calm. He was able to be concise with his attacks and his energy. He, was not, he did nothing rash to make himself look silly and yeah I think realistically he probably would have got Lewis Hamilton had box office not been in the boonies for the last couple of laps it was uh, a bit of a letdown actually (laughs) hashtag box office in the boonies Um, (laughs) that sent Harry off Um, Albon on the other hand unreal performance if he wasn't already cementing in that other Red Bull seat he deserves it he was again as Harry said caught up in the unfortunate instance in turn I don't really think that was his own fault yeah, car on his inside, car on his outside. It's always difficult when you have a ham in the sandwich. Um, he did a really solid job for me. It was a great comeback. He made a three-stop work. He put on some great overtakes. And, you know, he, he, he got the best position he realistically could have got convincingly as well. It wasn't a last gasp thing. He really made it work for him. So I'm super happy with both Red Bulls. I think they did probably as well as they could given the circumstances. This is promising size. And I think going into Brazil, they really could excel. Yeah, um, just want to interject with Danny Kvyat, Um for the second consecutive race. A penalty means he won't finish inside the top 10. Uh, yeah, I haven't seen it. Um, he has got a five second time penalty, which has demoted him to 12th. Um, and Perez therefore gets a point after starting in the pit lane. So just wanted to say that before going on to Red Bull. Um, yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I think Max, Max Verstappen had a pretty good race out there. Um, just didn't quite have the pace to challenge um, Valtteri Bottas. And of course, strategy um, nearly got Lewis Hamilton as well. But I, I think Verstappen was right to attempt the undercut early on. He had nothing to lose, really. He, Of course, he was going up against two Mercedes, didn't have any support from another car. So I think he gave it everything he could. And Alex Albon, um, I think they were right in calling that first corner incident uh, a racing incident. I think there's anything... Signs or Albon could have done to avoid it. Um, but from that point, he made a really good comeback. I think the three, the free stopper worked well for him when he needed to make overtakes. He made them clinically um, and he's just bolstering his claim for that 2020 seat. And I, I think he will take that if he hasn't already got it. Um, driver of the day. Harry, who have you got on this one? Um, I mean, the, I'm thinking between Albon or Perez. Uh, do you know what? I'll give it to Perez because he was starting in the pit lane, and that was that was harsh. And even the, I don't know the FIA they kind of admitted that was a harsh penalty, but they couldn't really give him anything else, which they're now looking at. But for missing the way bridge in practice to be and sent to the pit lane is a very harsh penalty. Um, and he drove really well, and he, like Albon, he was making good moves through the field. And he's that he's that kind of, he's not. Uh, front-running driver as Perez, as we've seen, he didn't make it work in the, in the McLaren year, but he is that kind of driver you want for that kind of race, that where he needs you need to get through the field, make a strategy work, make the tyres work. Sergio Perez is your man, so solid, solid, solid race from him, driver of the day for me. And who is your driver of the day, Sam? 
I think there's a, a, a possibility of four people in my mind getting driver of the day. Um, Harry, you've already given it to Perez, so I, I'm going to refrain from doing so, but he deserves a huge amount, bucket loads of credit, a fantastic drive from, as Crofty continually referred to him so much that my girlfriend went, why do they keep calling him the Mexican? Because they didn't say his name so many times. Um, the other man actually got driver of the day in the, for once, a deserved driver of the day given on TV, Alexander Albon. Again, a, a brilliant driver. We've given him praise here. The other two, Lando Norris, Daniel Ricciardo. I'm going to say Danny Rick just because he made those hard, they made that one step work brilliantly well, kept it in front of what was a really quick McLaren car and beat it by a few seconds. Uh, it was best of the rest. He just kept himself out of trouble. That Renault is not that quick. It's quick. It's not that quick. He had a great drive. Hulkenberg was well far back. Uh, and couldn't get the tyres to work as he did. So for me, honourable mention for Lando Norris uh, did a really good job, but Danny Rick is my driver of the day. Um, I agree with all the names that you've said. I thought all of them delivered really solid performances. Um, I'm going to give it to Daniel Ricciardo as well, though. I, I think I thought he put in a stonking effort. Um, that first stint that he did, he like you've said earlier on, Harry, that he wasn't that far away from Charles Leclerc, and he was kind of holding a gap. Um, and he made the one-stop work. He went a long way on those hard tyres. Um, so he, Signs and Perez were the guys who went longest on the hard tyres. So, um, yeah, he managed to make those work, even with uh, those charging two-stoppers behind. McLaren seemed to have the edge over Renault in qualifying, and then Daniel Ricciardo really pulled it out of the bag in the race. Um, he just seemed up for it today. So, yeah, Daniel Ricciardo, for me, he is he is driver of the day. Sorry, we are just now going to watch footage of Danny Kavir. Yeah, oh, nice. Absolutely torpedoes. So, <laughs> um, so, yeah, just watching that for the first time. Um, worst driver of the day, Harry, who have you got for this one? Um, can I say Ferrari? <laughs> <laughs> I don't I think, think Ferrari is technically a driver. That's but... so harsh. Um, worst driver of the day. I don't know. I don't, who had a particularly bad race? Um, this is good. Come back to me. <laughs> I, I tell you what, we'll give you a bit of time to think. Come Abu Dhabi, we'll just ask you for all of the last three races worst driver of the day. Simple. Um, Sam, who've you got? Well, I'd like to say I'm a bit of an exception, and I've, I've beaten Harry to the punch on this, but also equally difficult to choose a worst driver of the day. I'm going to have to give it to Leclerc just because. The lack of ability to warm those tyres, the lack of fight, you know, it was just slow from Ferrari. I, I don't, I mean, he was able to set the fastest lap at one point. I think he did actually get fastest lap of the race in the end. So there was pace in that Ferrari. They clearly could turn it around. They had the fastest car on track out of anyone at any given point at one point in that race. So they could make it work. So something in there allowed them not to. And... Leclerc needs to have a broader and wiser mind, I think, to overcome those hurdles going forward. So tough race for Ferrari. Really difficult to, to pick someone out of this group. And I know that Ben's going to have some wise old answer that we've forgotten about. But for me, <laughs> for me, yeah, Charles Leclerc, just because I feel like he, he realistically should be doing better. And that car clearly was capable of more. So just Charles Leclerc. Um, I'm going with Antonio Giovinazzi. There you go. Yeah, I, I thought he had a bit of a bit of a naff race. Sorry to use the word naff, Antonio, but that's kind of how I sum up your race. Um, 
He was there with Kimi in qualifying, and he has regularly been there with Kimi in qualifying over the since the summer break. Um, but in in the race, whereas Kimi Raikkonen got that lightning start, Giovinazzi kind of only went backwards, and um, obviously the Williams guys and really the Haas guys were were completely out of it. So Giovinazzi didn't really didn't really make much of an impression in the race. Um, it seems as if that Alpha's performance as a whole, not just including Giovinazzi, seems to be waning away at the end of the season, which is really disappointing because they seem to be going in the opposite direction at the end of last season. But yeah, I didn't think he had a great race. Um, Kimi had the edge on him. So yeah, Antonio is my worst driver of the day. Um, I'm going to go for Stroll because when your teammate starts in the pit lane, he shouldn't beat you. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, that one got me. But yeah, I mean... It's fair enough. Part of the way through the race, I was like, why is Stroll last? What's happened? What? He hasn't pitched. Just, what? He just kept having more tyres, didn't he? He doesn't care for... More tyres! I've just opened the window. The, the neighbourhood, I'll be very confused. Also, as I said earlier, Stroll doesn't understand how tyre compounds work because he went like 12 million years on the soft tyre and then pitted for the hard tyres and put, left them on for about two laps. So Confirmed. Stroll is driving around dinosaurs whilst in prehistoric America. Yeah. He, uh, he doesn't understand a lot of things, though, does he? Oh! Oh, oh Harry. Savage. Sorry, <sighs> Sorry Lance. He's what can still, I, what he's can I say about that? Savage? Wrecked? <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Um... Should we move on to, to Lewis Hamilton, who outside of the race has obviously won his sixth world championship, didn't cap it off with a victory, but he did uh he is one title away now from Michael Schumacher. He stands alone as the second most successful driver, distancing himself from Fangio. Um Harry, it's been a another great season from Lewis Hamilton, wraps it up with two to go. What what have you what have you made of his season? Is it just what we've come to expect from him? Yeah, I was thinking this earlier. I he obviously had a, another fantastic season because he's just won another world title. But he's he's just there all the time. Like he's in qualifying this year. He's not perhaps had as many poles as he might have had in previous years because Bottas has suddenly stepped it up and some of the other teams have as well. Um, but he just brings it home again today. He started P5, but then he finished P2. And he's always there in the race. And when other, when others are falling by the wayside, today was Ferrari, other times it's been Bottas. He's always there picking up points or winning a race. Um, and that's what makes a champion, that consistency throughout an entire season. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm not saying he's had a bad, a bad year at all. And he hasn't because he's won a championship. But it, I wouldn't say he's had an outstanding year he's had outstanding races um but it's just it's, it sounds like a uh i'm being negative i'm not it's like it's not boring to be consistent is what i'm trying to say and he has been so consistent once again this year as he has been over the past couple of years ever since rosberg rosberg retired really 17 18 19 have been so consistent for hamilton and but he doesn't look like he's going to slow down anytime soon. So um, I feel for the rest of the field <laughs> come come the next few years because Hamilton doesn't seem to be going anywhere anytime soon. So, um, yeah, congratulations to him. If you're listening, Lewis, which I'm really sure you are. I'm almost certain he'll be listening. 
I don't want to put money on it, but I'm almost certain. Um, Sam, where do you think this title ranks with Lewis Hamilton's now six that he has to his collection? This has been a particularly strong, but also oddly challenging year for Lewis Hamilton. You need to remember that he has not had a pole position since I think it was Germany. He does have the most victories not on pole in a season of all time with eight so far. It could be more. There could be more to come with two more. He has not finished outside the top three apart from on three occasions. He's had a fourth, a fifth and ninth. Uh, Germany being the ninth of that crazy weather that we had. That's incredibly uh, consistent stuff. Um, I generally think this could be up there with his best performance that we've ever seen from Lewis Hamilton. And that is slightly terrifying for other drivers on the grid. I mean, I Max Verstappen, in terms of raw pace, Charles Leclerc, in terms of raw pace, in terms of consistency and raw pace, I still think there is no one on the grid that matches Lewis Hamilton, even comes close to Lewis Hamilton's ability. And if Mercedes can produce a car equal to the ability in comparison to the rest of the field for next season, I think Lewis Hamilton walks away with a seventh world title. Um, this has just been breathtakingly good from, from the Brit. He deserves six. He's with the fact that before we went on air, we saw that someone put him tenth in their all-time top ten is hilarious. Um, I, I we, we've seen history be made. Congratulations to Lewis. I don't know when we will see someone else get to six world titles. You never know. Maybe the next ten years, Charles Leclerc, Max Verstappen might go and win ten. You don't know. But you you don't feel like you see it often. And all of a sudden, Michael Schumacher and Lewis Hamilton to to cut from a completely different cloth. Those two drivers. Um, they had to change the rules for Schumacher to stop him from winning. And it does feel like they've had to change the rules to stop Lewis Hamilton winning. Um, so fair play to both of them. This has been an astoundingly good year from Hamilton, who is at his oldest point ever, because that's how time works. So well done to Lewis. Oh, that that was yeah. so eloquent. until that... <laughs> <laughs> I can't be eloquent. Damn. You, you nearly had it, Sam. So nearly <laughs> had it. Threw it away on the last one. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> frustration eking out of Sam's expression there um yeah Hamilton's had a sublime year whether it's his best of his career I'm not too sure um he has obviously been a little distant on Saturdays only four pole positions in 19 races really surprising for for Lewis Hamilton's normal standards but regardless um yeah it's been pretty epic uh I, sorry I am going to interrupt myself here Sam is currently spraying his cactus. And that's not a euphemism. <laughs> I, I just realised they both look quite dry. So I thought I'd give them a quick spray when I wasn't needed. I was probably going to make like the most important point ever, but it's going to have to wait. Ignore it. Ben, all seriousness, go. I can't remember what I was going to say. Oh, there, there are so many, you know, podcasts, YouTube uh, channels dedicated to Formula One, but none of them would interrupt a speech about Alex Hamilton's sixth world championship with one of their team members watering their cacti. It doesn't happen anywhere else, and that is why people need to listen to us because this is unique. So it's they... unique, yeah, unique. Can't argue against that word. Sorry, folks. That's quite all right. Yeah, Hamilton's been epic all year. It's as if there isn't really much of a weakness to his game. Of course, qualifying has been a little bit off this year compared to previous years. Um, but his his work within the team, obviously the team themselves have been brilliant in terms of their strategy this year. Um, and 
in terms of race pace, Hamilton just can't be touched on a consistent basis. We've seen, like in Austin, that Bottas on certain weeks can be there with Hamilton and he can beat him. He's got the ability to do so. He just can't do it every single race. He'll, he'll do it once, won't do it for the next three races. He'll do it again and then it'll be another three races. And at the end of the day, Hamilton has won more races this year than he hasn't. It's just a crazy stat. Um, and he's done so many of them after not starting in first place. So, yeah, a really great year for Lewis Hamilton. There's just not really much of a weakness to his game. Um, we've seen him win in different ways all throughout the year. We saw Hungary where he had to play catch up to Verstappen. We've seen him win um, in Austin and in Mexico where he's had to really rely on tyre Ma- Sorry, he's in Mexico, he... he didn't win Austin, obviously, but Mexico, where he's had to rely on tyre management. And and there have been some races in there as well that have just been a classic Hamilton driving into the distance and no one being able to keep up with him. Um, Harry, we've often seen that, especially the last two years, where Hamilton hasn't had the best starts of the year, but then second half of the year, he's blown away Sebastian Vettel. This year, he had an excellent start to the year. How much do you think, how much of an importance does that play in his championship win, that incredible start from Mercedes. Yeah, well, it's, I'm not going to put it all down to that because he's still been good after the summer break, but it's definitely been important because the other teams did eventually catch them up, and we, we've seen that in this latter half of the year. Although Mercedes have still won the last uh, last three races, so they're they're still there. Um, yeah, they they were mighty at the start of the year. And do you remember when we all thought Ferrari going to be fastest? And that was... I, I'd like to input here and say i didn't buy into that so not including myself i am sick of it you're such a smug gear all right we get it <laughs> ladies and gents ben is wearing a hoodie that has mercedes on it so he is basically bono he looks like bono as well <laughs> bono's, bono's an attractive guy i'll take that <laughs> I'm, I'm more than happy with that one get it there ben before so <laughs> Sorry, semi-board day. Yeah. Um. What we're talking about? Oh, Mercedes. Yeah. They had a fantastic start to the year. Um. And Hamilton. I mean, Hamilton and Bottas maximised it. Bottas did in the first race, but after that, Hamilton just went on a, which is a winning machine for a while, wasn't he? So um, until we got to what was it, Austria or something. Um. You win championships by winning races and picking up points. So when he wasn't winning races, he was picking up points, as, as I've mentioned already. So um, it's obviously responsible in part, but his consistency is what wins your championship. So, and I mean, we're, we're probably going to be asking this question over the next sort of three or four months or so, so we won't dwell on it too much. And we've pretty much been asking it for our entire adult life, Sam. How do one of Red Bull or Ferrari stop Mercedes and Hamilton? I don't know. They simply (laughs) need to be better everywhere. And I think that each team does have a driver that is capable if given the car. And I think only then, if they are given the car, can they beat Lewis Hamilton. I think if you were to put them in an equal car, Lewis Hamilton, Charles Leclerc, Max Verstappen, just those three on the grid, in an equal car across the whole season... I still think Lewis Hamilton comes out on top. I think he's just got the consistency, the wit, the strategic thought process, the ability to moan his engineer to the point that we all want to tell him to just shut up, but it still gets the point across that what he needs is going to happen. He thinks outside the box. I don't... 
They need to do something like change the regulations. Otherwise, I don't know what they could do to, to, to beat him. He is a supernatural talent. And if he's not in your top five, top four drivers of all time, which I know is difficult to compare because of timescales and whatnot, but you, you're, a, you're a fool if you haven't put him in your top four or five because he is a wonderful, wonderful talent that we get to witness. And I don't think anyone on pure talent alone can beat him at the moment. Well, you speak of the regulations, of course. On Thursday, there was a press conference, Chase Carey, John Tott, Ross Braun, all involved, announcing the F1 2021 regulations. It's been a long time coming. It's been in direct competition with Brexit to see which would happen first. And it finally, F1 2021 has won that battle. So well done. Um, it, it's, a, it's true. I mean, they were in direct competition there. Get Chase um, Carey to deliver Brexit now. <laughs> Oh wow, Ross Brown um, for Brexit. So I, I really shouldn't have opened that that can of worms. But so the F1 2021 regulations have been announced. Sal- uh, cost cap, new car, loads of different things, standardised parts. There's going to be an increase in those. Harry, what was your initial reaction to these regulation changes? It gets a thumbs up from me. <laughs> That's hard earned as well. It is very hard earned. Um, yeah, look, they've been teasing it for a little while now, but and it seemed at one point that might not get over the line. And I think the the mood in the paddock was one of surprise that Ferrari had eventually agreed to it. But so I don't know what they've a either promised them, b threatened them with, but Ferrari have agreed to it. So there's a cost cap for the first time in Formula One, and I think that's gone maybe slightly under the radar. It that's a big deal for Formula One for a sport that loves to spend the dollar. Um, having a cost, back, cost cap, I mean, it's still $175 million and it doesn't include like driver salaries and all of that jazz, but it's a cost cap nonetheless. It's a good start. Um, so that's important. For me, the car cars look, what I know it's a mock-up, but the cars are going to look slick, quite retro. It all looks good to me. The halo's built into the car more uh, efficiently, uh, so I like that. No fancy aero bits, like that as well. It's all it's all getting a thumbs up from me. It just needs to work, okay? I can't give it two thumbs up until it works. Then it will get two thumbs up. Wow, F1 will be on the edge of their seats, wondering if Harry will give them that second thumbs up that they desire. Um, Sam, what was your initial reaction to these regulation changes? Thumbs up from you? I will give it two thumbs up because I think they're bloody brilliant. And if someone comes along and makes it work properly 100% in 2021, I will purposely hire people in to give more thumbs up just to show how <laughs> thumbs uppy I am about these new regulations. I was going to say, what else would you put up if it worked? Inappropriate comment. Unnecessary. I, um, I also, investment-wise, I feel like there are better avenues for us to go down. <laughs> not going to lie. Yeah, we haven't made a lot of money yet. Anyway, unlike <laughs> us not making a lot of money, F1 can no longer spend a lot of money. Apart from your top three highest earning members of staff, yeah. marketing, drivers, everything else, though. Bonuses. Oh, yeah. Apart from that, though, you're going to not spend a lot of money. Uh, but I love that because that means that realistically a team can actually spec it out and go, right, minimum, we need to hit that cost cap so we know we're spending the most we can on the car and the base team. We can enter Formula One. That means that people go, I came to Formula One, I have a plan, I'm not going to go bankrupt in two years and Bernie Eccleston will laugh at me from his many mansions. So, I love that. Also, I love that it's been branded 
sexier cars. I am all for having one of these on my, well, not the actual car. I, again, don't have a lot of money. But a poster of the car. I love that the wheels and the side pods are going to be having LED panels. I love that you can see information about it. I love that it's going to look like Tron or something like that driving around F1. That is incredible. Bring it on. I love it. I love that the wings are so aerodynamically well made that the air is going to be pumped up into the air by an extra few feet so cars can drive straight under, only losing between 5 and 10% aerodynamic loss going around corners. And got the classic 40 to 50% aerodynamic loss around most corners. Unlike Maggots, Beckett's, uh, Castle, Stowe, I'm making up names now. Where, whatever. Where basically you lose 60 to 70% aerodynamic performance if you're not able to somehow cut through that. So much needed to change in Formula One. And Braun, Mr. Ross Braun, the man that won that title, has once again turned up a good 10 years later and done it all again. It is fantastic. And I'm so excited for 2021 that I wish we could just skip over 2020 because these rules are brilliant. They are, it's, it's shorter weekends. So uh, like Ben's always asked for, the practice sitting at the top. Park Ferme now starts in FP3. Brilliant. I love it. That's fantastic to see as well. Uh, less tunnel time, more simulation time. You just, we're going to get way more variance in races. Teams are going to be much closer together. LED panels on cars and less money, but closer competition means more teams. So many thumbs up. My toes are up. My thumbs are up. I love it. I love it. Bring it on. I'm going to give it 1.5 thumbs up just to be awkward. Um, that is awkward. <laughs> I don't even know if that's if, if that's allowed, but that's what I'm going to go ahead with. Um, I really like everything. Um, the cars look great. Really excited to see how they work. Of course, we're unsure as to where sort of the dirty air is, whether that is going to be completely solved or at least partially solved. I really hope it is um everything coming out of testing for this car is that it will be solved at least to some degree so hopefully those testing uh it's not a you know it, it's not a false uh <laughs> it, it does end up be coming to fruition and there there isn't anything um there isn't anything hidden there that could be a spanner in the works yeah, I, I think the cost cap is something that I've been wanting for a long time in Formula One, a number of years now. And finally, they've gone ahead and they've done it. Um, 175 million, I think, is a fair amount. Um, it's about what the midfield and lower end teams are spending at the moment. I think uh, a lot of the teams are currently spending between 150 and 175. So I'm very happy to see sort of that involved. And Mercedes and Ferrari are going to have to find a way to scale back massively. They're going to have to scale back by something close to 50%. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how they cope with these regulation changes. But really happy that it's managed to get through because there were times, like you said, Harry, that it was really unsure as to whether it would whether it would work. Um, I don't understand why driver salaries aren't included. I don't really know why the top three members of a team aren't included. I mean, they're all part of a team. So why shouldn't they be included in this cost cap? Um, but that is perhaps picking at the picking at it a bit i think overall the fact that it's even there is good enough for me um yeah I, i'm happy with how they've done the sort of um restructuring of the weekend i would have liked to have seen them get rid of a practice session but I, I like at least that they've managed to get rid of one day whether those teams will manage to fill it with sponsorship stuff anyway who knows so it might not be much of a break for the drivers but you know it, it's at least f1's doing their bit um 
yeah, I, I, I'm just really happy they managed to get this over the line. There have seen many occasions throughout the year where it wouldn't happen. Someone would come in and stop it. Um, they've all agreed to it. I'm a bit dubious as to what Ferrari have agreed with the FIA to get this through because I can't, I can't understand why they accepted it from their perspective, but maybe they just want a change as well. Um, and uh, going back to the cost cap again, one of the best things is that because the top teams can outspend everyone else, that just eliminates or at least puts on the back burner some of the other qualities it takes to win races or to do well in races. Like, you know, driver performance is kind of eradicated when there are a couple of teams doing so, so well in the sport. If we can even it out a bit more, then suddenly things like driver performance manages to push a team over the edge, which is what we want to see make the difference not cost so yeah all four of these changes well done f1 1.5 thumbs up ben has thrown down a crazy almost a gang sign with his thumbs then for those that can't see um i think the reason why driver caps weren't involved in that is because i think there's every chance it would drive off a lot of the top racing uh, names in the sport i mean lewis hamilton's wage alone would be about 35 percent of mercedes entire budget if they had to include his current wage now in that 175 million cost cap. So either he'd have to take a monumental cost cut or we'd start losing some big names. So I'm okay with it. Maybe they need to put a, cap, a separate cap on what drivers can be paid. I don't know. Um, but for me, I, I can kind of understand it. I think that's the point. Like you have to have those sort of trade-offs. Do you pay someone like Lewis Hamilton that amount of money because we know he is so, so good and he might make the difference for the team? Or do you go with a slightly cheaper lineup and develop your car? I, I think these kind of trade-offs, these, this kind of decision-making, that's what I want to see. Oh, it's like designing your own F1 team. Isn't it? It's like we're making a game. I love it. Motor sport manager. Absolute plug. I'd be really interested to see if they had if they'd had a, a, this budget cap next year without the rules, what would happen? And then, and then other new rules as well in 2021 to see what how it would even up if it would even up at all. But that, just... that that would be interesting actually. And that that leads me on to the final question about this before before we um the end the show. Do you think and Chase Carey doesn't see this as a problem, but I'm not so sure. Do you think some of the top teams such as Ferrari, Mercedes, Red Bull will go out next season? massively spend in preparation for 2021 so that they have an advantage before these regulations come in oh god i had not even thought about that then um why not though if you can i would but if mercedes are debating leaving the sport which we've heard many rumors of and of course now we will have mclaren mercedes once again in 2021 with lando norris being signed by mercedes management which is very interesting um maybe they'll go We'll go out with a bang, but just enough of a bang to celebrate seven consecutive years of Formula One, uh, which there's every chance they win that seventh title. Um, and we leave it there. I don't know. Ferrari definitely will make the most of it. We've never seen Ferrari not try and bend a rule to get the most out of it. Red Bull, they're super competitive. So if they can, then why not? But if I was one of them, I would too. I would definitely throw as much money in development for the 2021 rules before the 2021 rules. They almost need to set a date before you're allowed to invest in anything 2021 related and then that way that can't happen yeah this was kind of the discussion of whether the the cost cap should come in the year before the regulations change and you might avoid that harry do you see it as a potential problem it could be a potential problem but i i watched the the press conference when they were announcing it and ross 
or someone said that there is like a voluntary uh, is voluntary obviously but a voluntary cost cap thing so they have to submit their they don't have to submit but they can submit their um expenses by the end of the year or before the year whatever and it like goes through this new system to try out the system so it'd be interesting to see how many people how many teams do that they don't have to because as i said it's voluntary um yeah yeah they could top three teams could theoretically just go and spend a shed load of money and that was brought up i think by one of the journalists in the conference but um I hope not. They might do, but I hope not. <laughs> I'd be interested to know who is, and I think it is still Racing Point, the lowest spending team currently in Formula 1, but it can't be that far off now because of the, obviously the huge investment they've now been given over the last 12 months, but I mean, a lot of teams have got to be spending a lot of money. Toros obviously have the Red Bull investment, Alpha, Alpha, Renault, Renault, Williams and McLaren got so much private funding that, I don't know, it's, it's got to be slightly balanced out now, surely. Yeah, I think these teams like Mercedes and Ferrari are going to have to scale back to a similar level to what the guys at, at Williams and, and Tor Rosso are currently spending. So it'd be really interesting to see how they scale down because that is not going to be an easy process. They're going to have to make cuts and they're going to have to work their way around it whilst obviously preserving as much of the DNA as they can that has got them so many titles in a row. Um, I'm sure we'll talk plenty more about the F1 2021 regulations. Of course, we've got uh, another year of, of speculation on that. So we will return to that topic. Um, Sam, for this episode, do you want to get us out of here? I think I shall. Um, just a quick pointer out for all those who are around. We are so close to 1,000 subscribers. Um, we have got some silly footage prepared to go that we'd love to see, but we're also willing to do another video to commemorate that. If you've got some questions or some ideas that you'd like to throw at us, then please get in the comments. Let us know what you'd like to talk about or what you'd like us to do. and We'd love to give it a shot. Uh, what are your thoughts on what we've discussed today? We'd love to know that as well. Please get down in the discussions. Have a conversation. Remember, always be nice and civil, and we'll join you down there. Leave a like. If you haven't already, please subscribe as well. It'll be a massive help. In the meantime, I've been Samuel Sage. I've been Ben Hocking. And I've been Harry Eads. And remember, keep breaking late. Sports Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.